And we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. <laughs> How's Nisbet? I'm doing good. Oh, man. I can't wait to do Book of Souls. I know. We got, Do you have your Book of Souls I shirt do. On? This is the Book of Souls tour. Your moose. Canadian moose shirt. Yeah. Undead moose. Yep. I've got my tour shirt on as well um, from the first leg of the tour. Yep. I'm excited about this one. This is going to be good. I'm pumped. I've been doing a lot of listening and... You know, uh, just, I guess, I don't know, getting back into it. And yeah. I realize how much I've listened to it. It's nothing to get back into it, but it, it hasn't been, because we, we listen so much for a podcast, it yeah. just kind of like knocked down the order. I know. Well, I, we listened to this album a lot when it came out. And yeah. I already, like, it's no surprise. If anyone listens to the podcast, they know that I love this album. Yeah. So, love book souls. But even listening to it for the podcast, yeah, I think there's things about this album that I'd never realized that I kind of picked up on. Because you listen to the albums differently when I'm listening for the podcast. Yeah. Because I'm always trying to pick things out and compare things. Yeah. Anyway, I found a whole bunch of cool stuff in this album that I never really noticed before. Yeah, actually, that's a fair point. Uh, because I know our listeners will feel like, oh, what are they talking about listening to this? Like, I, I make notes on all this. Like, and I never do that. Like, you know, before we had this podcast, yeah. I didn't even know the names of the songs. I didn't care. Yeah. I just put it on and go, I like this song. Yeah. I like that song. But now it's like detailed. I watched live chapter... Um, actually I watched it uh, this weekend but I watched I finished it today and man that was awesome I forgot about how good, good the tour was good, yeah set list yeah it's awesome both legs yeah and the recording is amazing yeah the yeah. stage set and everything was awesome yeah and the way they released that uh, I've just got an MP4 I think they released it didn't they they didn't release it as a DVD I don't think no, yeah but they put it out the MP4 they put it out I mean I have the vinyl but yeah. they put it the MP4 yeah yeah well anyway it was awesome Deadly. So, so, Book of Souls. Book of Souls. Should we get going on a beer first? We should, definitely. What are we doing here now? You've got this Patagonia Pale Ale. This is Greystone Brewing. Yeah. Patagonia Pale Ale. So, this is Fredericton, New Brunswick. They're a new microbrewery. My yeah. sister actually sent me these. My sister lives in Fredericton, and she sent a bunch of these over. Hardcore listener. <laughs> <laughs> My sister's not a huge Maiden fan. No, I, I can see She that. has listened to the podcast, but... Yeah. Uh, anyway, she sent a few of these... Uh, Greystone Brewing over, and when I was over there a few weeks ago, yeah, I had I tried a bunch of different ones, and they were all amazing. So this is the Patagonia Pale Ale. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. Nice. Oh, that smells good. Nice. That's a really, really good ale, pale ale. Mmm, that's excellent. That's New Brunswick? Yeah, Fredericton. Wow. Well done. So, they got quite the craft brew thing going on there, right? Eh? There's a whole bunch of new ones popped up. It started with like Picaroons, and now there's uh, a whole bunch of new ones. I have actually a few more Fredericton beers for future episodes. Wow. Maybe when we do next week, when we do part two of this podcast. Yes. Drinking beers from around the world. <laughs> Everything from St. John's, Newfoundland to St. John, New Brunswick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything from Fredericton to Cape Breton. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, that's uh, I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's really good. Not as hoppy as I like. No, I think it's a perfectly like balanced. Perfectly balanced. Beer. It is a good beer. It's a kind of beer. It's five percent. I think you could drink a few of those. And I've tried a whole bunch of theirs, and uh, they're all really, really good. So awesome. Greystone Brewing. Yeah. Greystone Brewing. So in maiden news, this is not technically maiden news. The so British Lion uh, last week or the week before. We never mentioned it last week when we did made in japan they released a new track called spitfire or spitfire it's two words not like the plane spitfire um 
it sounds pretty cool. I'm not a huge British Lion fan. I like mm-hmm. it, but I haven't really given it a chance yeah. to sink in to see if I like it. Um, the song sounds pretty cool. I'll play you a little clip now. This is like less than 30 seconds. It's got a, it reminds, has a kind of like a vibe from, do you know that song Am I Demon by Danzig? Yeah. The riff yeah. kind of sounds like that. Do you, do you, uh, are they touring now? They are touring now. Yeah. Actually, they played last week in Ottawa because we got an email from a viewer that was going to go. Oh, that's right. Um, I'm not sure exactly where they're touring. The, the tour goes through November, I think in December. Yeah. I should know this, but they're touring right now. So I yeah. guess you can check check they uh steve harris said there's a new album coming out Uh, i got a quote from him he says we've finished recording we haven't mastered it yet and we haven't done the artwork yet and we haven't decided when it's going to go out because i'm governed by obviously what happens with maiden so i can't arrange a tour or anything until i know what maiden is doing and we'll decide then when we'll release the album next year so 2019 british line album coming out that's cool yeah yeah i don't know it's it's so funny to think that he's so active in that i find it funny that steve harris is like on the road with maiden and then like he gets off he takes like a week and then he's gone again he just he loves it he just can't stop touring he just can't stop touring so he's touring with maiden in these giant venues and then he goes with british lion and he's playing these really small venues yeah and doing these meet and greets and like meeting fans and it must just be all maiden fans meeting them i mean yeah but yeah fine yeah, I, I love. I don't know anyone else in the band. Who do you know any of them? I don't can, know any of them. Yeah, let's just say. So can you just imagine a swarm of people run into the lead singer? Just, <laughs> yeah. you know, Steve Harris just standing there. Yeah. Well, when Steve Harris is in your band, I guess you expect that. You expect it. Yeah. 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 I know because uh, I actually entered in this contest, which I obviously didn't win because the concert already happened. But it was a concert to see British Lion and had a backstage meet and greet. Mm-hmm. It was like meet and greet with British Lion and Coney Hatch, and I was like, everyone who wins this, I feel bad for like Coney Hatch. I yeah, that's to... right. That's right. <laughs> I was like, hey guys, how are you doing? Uh, oh yeah, uh, I'm gonna go talk to Steve now. <laughs> yeah, let's just go over and stand next to Steve and ask him about the next Maiden album. Yeah. Or, or people talk tour. to them and they're like, what's it like being on tour with Steve Harris? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh my god, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's basically all that 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 it would that it would come down to. You'd think, yeah. The other thing I was gonna mention. Before we got into the album, is these new reissues, the Digipack? Yeah. So to to, to phrase that back, because we yeah. we talked about that last, uh, we talked about that recently. The concept there was they were remixing and re-releasing a right. bunch. Well, of, remastering, not remixing. Re- yeah. Remastering, not remixing. Sorry. Right. And we were debating about the quality and what format they were. Right. Were so a new video came out with Tony Newton. Yeah. Who he produced like the Book of Souls live chapter and mixed it. I think he did a lot of their live recordings, like mixed a lot of them. Yeah. He does some engineering for like some Maiden. He does some of their sound, like live sound engineering. But um, so he's very involved in it. But he put a video online of him and he said 
he wanted to go back to the tapes and it's showing him in going into the abbey road studios archives and pulling out all these old master tapes up to no prayer there on tape then he had to find these old debt tapes and then these old hard drives and he was actually going back and pulling all the old tapes out so it is going back to the original tapes so there's like the a, a, a shelf in a record studio that has like these original yeah. tapes yeah so yeah, he like, said that doesn't seem like enough protection for me. Well, I think it's all been backed up now yeah. and made copies of digitally. Um, he said he had to bake some of the tapes. He said that like tapes in the old days, they used to have a whale blubber to preserve the tapes, and they did that up till the seventies. And after the seventies, they outlawed using whale blubber, I guess, because whale hunting. And they use some kind of substitute, but it doesn't last. And now he said you have to take these tapes and bake them in an oven at really low temperature for like three days to get them playable again. So he said each time he played these tapes, he's like, this might be the last time you get to play it before it's like done. So I guess he backed it all up digitally. Wow. But uh, so they went right back to the tapes to remaster these. So now I'm kind of excited because the last time we talked about these, I wasn't that excited. Yeah. So then I was sitting around and I was like, I'm just going to pre-order the first two. Killers and made the first Maiden album. Yeah, and what format are they going to come in? They come in CD. Yeah. So I was going to uh, order those. Then I ended up pre-ordering the first four, because the first four are coming out first. Yeah. Actually, by the time this podcast comes out, I think they will be available. Yeah. But I went to pre-order it. So I added four CDs yeah. into my shopping cart. And when I went to go to pay for it, the four CDs, they're about $20 each. The posting and packaging was $72. No way. So it was almost as much shipping as it was for the CD. So I was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Sending four CDs shouldn't cost $72 from the United States. <laughs> that makes no sense. So I don't know what's going on with that. I'll wait. So anyway, I'm not buying them now. If they come no. on Amazon and they're half cheap, I'll buy them. If they're not going to be like limited in, in volume, are they? No, I think maybe just the the bonus ones that come with they, the They should release stuff. them in a box set or something. I mean... Maybe they will eventually. They're coming out in batches yeah. of four. So the first four, then the next four. Okay. And then later on the next four. Yeah. Right up to Book of Souls they're going. But they're not remastering Book of Souls, but they're remastering everything else. So how do you expect the... Because they were already remastered. The, they were remastered for iTunes. Okay. And they were they have been remastered over yeah, and over. This is supposed to be a really good remastering, I think, according was, to the video I saw. There was the 98 remastering. That occurred, right? You see that on all, yeah, the, all yeah. of the all of the cloud platforms. When yeah. you look at an album, you see like remastered '98. Yeah. Now this is another remaster. Yeah, I can't keep this straight. It's supposed I'm not... to go back to like I think these are going to be more of the like going back to the first pressings, like the good, a really good master of them, where they're not too loud. Yeah. I assume if they're going through this much work. Yeah. So it's just a video that like Tony Newton was in. A video of him showing them doing the remastering process. Yeah. And uh, so it, it looked very in-depth. It wasn't just like taking the files and, you know, running them through, whatever. Or, or we were talking about maybe they were taking those FLAC files and, like, somehow using those for a master. But they're not. They're going right back to the tapes, which is kind of cool. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm of mixed minds on this because I know they, ha they have the tangible... They have, there has to be some tangible sound change in order to make this worthwhile. But that means that now, you know, now we've got this whole other sound format for albums. And I already find it now, you know, annoying enough trying to flick between the, DVD, between the, uh, the different versions of the vinyls. And then, yeah. like, you know, there's obviously the CDs and there's MP3s, which, you know, some people yeah. have criticized. And, I mean, you know, what, what stage do we... I don't know. I, I'm kind of right now, I'm just thinking yeah. about this. It sounds cool. Yeah. But I'm also thinking about 
I know, I have these all on CD already, yeah. too. But these are digipacks. Well, these are just digipacks. <laughs> They're totally different. I know, I'm a sucker. I just I have this like shelf at home with all the CDs. So yeah. I'm going to start getting the digipack ones. I don't know who I'm kidding, because I was like, I'll buy the first four and see what they sound like. But once I have four, then I'm going to have to go ahead and <laughs> yeah. finish the collection. But I don't really own any CDs. I don't know. No, I mean, I used to collect them. Yeah. But I kind of gave them all away. Okay. I still yeah. have every CD I've ever owned. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to Some see. of them are kind of embarrassing if you start digging through my uh, CD oh, yeah. shelves. <laughs> you did the Columbia House. You got a Melissa Etheridge in there. Oh, I have no Melissa. No, no, no. <laughs> Not that. What bad. do you have? Nothing that bad. No. Whitney I'm sure Houston, there's some bands. There's a lot art. of uh, really bad hair metal bands. Yeah. I might have a uh, a Britney Fox CD or two. Britney Fox. <laughs> yeah, they're hair metal band. Did you ever hear that song, Girl School? Wait now. <laughs> there's some. What Cinderella. year are we talking about now? You're talking about. Yeah, Britney Fox or late eighties. You just got Girl School. Girl School is a song. There yeah. is a band called Girl that School. That was like every metal song yeah. for like a five <laughs> yeah. year period. There yeah. it was like, my baby broke all the rules. <laughs> girl School. It's an awesome song. Yeah, his voice is like three octaves higher than mine. <laughs> Why is this? An anyway, I'm not. I'm not embarrassed about having Britney Fox in my collection. Why would you be? Do you I know mean, what? As I think about it now, the reason I got off of CDs and got rid of them was because it was the early two thousands. I was all excited by MP3s. That we were already well into the death of the album. Like everything was singles and various tracks and, you know, by 2000. Now there were still great albums coming yeah. out. But you know what I mean? Like there, was, there wasn't there was a strong See, argument to I'm be I'm not made. like that because I always wanted to yeah. listen to songs. I was never one of those people that just like would listen to a song or three or four songs by band. Yeah. I always would be like, okay, if these I like these couple of songs. What album are they on? I want to see how they flow through the album. And I always want to listen to stuff. Like, especially if it's an album I don't know very well. That's right. I like to listen to the whole album through. I don't know yeah. why. I've always been like that. And I also have like all my old mixtapes I've ever made. All my old CD mixes I've burnt off. I have all those still. I'm a spindle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a hard time parting with music. Well, of course. I mean, you're a music guy. The... Um... <laughs> Anyway, I, I but my point I was going to make is I could see why I get off CDs, but I could see an argument for getting back on them now. Yeah, I listen to them all the time in the car. Yeah, I always have my dash or my glove compartment. I always have like four or five CDs in there. Just always to... sort of. Yeah. And anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we should get on. back on to uh, well the before maybe. we do the beer. Yeah. What do you think? Of oh, I have another one thing I was going to say. This guy Tony Ooh. Newton, the engineer who is remastering these CDs. Yeah. Actually, played with Iron Maiden. There was a. Uh, a show once where Yannick had some kind of family issue and he couldn't appear and they had to play on this Spanish TV station and lip sync The Angel and the Gambler, I think it was. It was during yeah. the Blaze era. era, And they didn't have uh, Yannick there, just Dave Murray. So they got him to step in. They're like, you have long hair, just stand in the back and hold, pretend you're playing guitar. Wow. So there's footage. If you look online for like Iron Maiden, Tony Newton, I don't know what your Google, Spanish TV show or something like that. Wow. You'll see him. It's pretty funny. He's got a shirt on that says six six seven, <laughs> and he's no just way. like he's like strumming the chords and just kind of like running around. <laughs> That's cool. That's pretty cool. So he's a I don't know if I'd count him as a forgotten member of Maiden, but technically, technically, if you're in a trivia contest and anyone asks you uh, for a guitar player that's played with Maiden, you might qualify. Yeah, once you get through the other <laughs> trivia seven <or> eight <laughs> from the early years, this beer is really good. I'm it is good. It. I'm really enjoying it. So, do you want to get on to the album? Let's get into the Book of Souls. The 16th yeah. Iron Maiden studio album. That's right. So, five years after the Final Frontier, that's the longest gap they had between albums. Really? Yeah. The whole time? Yeah. yeah. So, it's 11 tracks, 92 yeah. minutes. Double album. First ever double album. Yeah. Triple vinyl. 
it doesn't really seem that long. When you when the this album first came out, everyone was like freaking out about how long it was. And yes. it's a double album and all this. But I'm like, Final Frontier was seventy six minutes. Yeah. It's basically the same length. The Book of Souls is the same length as Final Frontier, except it has that eighteen minute track at the end. So yeah. they attacked on Empire of the Clouds and you know, plus or minus a couple of minutes. It's the same as it's not that much longer if you take that Empire of the Clouds out. So it's really just a regular length maiden album with this extra huge song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got basically they broke it down to two discs and they're forty something each, right? Yeah, it's like ninety something in total. Yeah, I've never yeah. looked at the time. Yeah, the play time of the two discs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, it doesn't feel like a double album in the relative to. It the doesn't scale. feel like a double album to me because yeah. I never listened to Empire of the Clouds. <laughs> You don't? <laughs> Not as part of the album. I always listen to it as a separate thing. I don't know. We'll get into that when we get into yeah. the songs. Oh. But uh, I have a quote from Bruce Dickinson. Uh, he said, The ideas just started flowing. By the time we'd finished, we all agreed that each track was such an integral part of the whole body of work that it needed to be a double album. And double album it's going to be. So, Ooh. got a quote from him. They uh, Apparently they had the name of the Book of Souls since the summer of 2014. In the same interview, he said that. So... They had the name long before they had the album written yeah. and recorded. So there's, uh, I see you have the vinyl here. I didn't bring my vinyl because I know you have it. Yeah. You have the triple LP. Yeah. There's a bunch of different versions of this. There's the there's a deluxe edition of the CDs with a yellow and green shirt that came out for the Australian tour. There's a book edition that's like a book with the two CDs inside of it and it has all the artwork in it. There's a Japanese version that's very similar. Uh, it just has this like paper spine in Japanese over it. There's a triple LP that you have. There's a um, one that was packaged for a magazine in Italian. There's a Brazil tour edition that has like a slip case that goes over with tour date. Double came out on double cassette. There's a whole bunch of different versions. There's digital versions. There's a, a edition that came out with a sticker. There's like all these promo versions that went out to record companies. If you look on Discogs, all kinds of uh, versions. You see a lot of different, uh, and when you're breaking them down there, some of the artwork stuff. That's what stands out to me, you know, the fact that they they released the CDs to show off the artwork. It's, uh, you know, it's three vinyls. There's a big gatefold. The gatefold artwork is awesome. The artwork on the back and the artwork um, on the actual vinyl themselves. Like, they have the Eddie and then they have a real cool little symbol. Yeah, it's really and well pack- packaged and put together. It is, and that runs contrary to, remember when we broke down the album covers, like, you were a little disappointed with Book of Souls. No, and I like, loved it. When it you like the simplicity, I think. But yeah, it was you, one of my favorites. There was something you took away about the cover. I was sure of it. No, I was talking about the live chapter cover. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. When so, we get into the cover art, I'll yeah. give you a rundown on this, but this is one of my favorite Maiden covers. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, Because I was going to say, because the artwork top to toe for me is, oh, yeah. is, is yeah. world class. It's yeah. awesome. There's two Bruce Dickinson tracks. The first one and the last one, Solo, and yeah. two Bruce Dickinson, uh, Adrian Smith songs. Mm-hmm. This album, the songwriting, everyone contributed. Like, Bruce Dickinson had four. Steve Harris has credits on seven. Dave Murray has one. Yannick has two. Adrian has five writing credits. Um, Steve Harris had two people close to him die during the writing. He was one of his old school friends and a member of the family. I don't know who. So I think there was he was a little bit preoccupied, and the other guys kind of jumped in with some ideas. They all kind of contributed. So the songs are really diverse. I think it's because so many different people contributed to the writing. It wasn't like, you know... The Steve Harris show, yeah. <laughs> like some of the really early albums. I had a quote from Yannick. He said, we brought so many ideas into the studio and they were all good ideas. Some of the songs weren't that long when they came in, but they ended up that long when we finished them. 
Everybody always brings in probably an hour's worth of music. You might want to only use 15 minutes, but you've got an hour of stuff that's really good. So yeah. apparently they they had tons of ideas and they had to whittle them down. So yeah, that looks good too if you're thinking about like when the next album's going to come out. Yeah, but they have a lot of leftover ideas they could flesh out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And Adrian said he had 10 or 12 songs on a CD ready to go as like kind of demoed. Yeah. Not complete demos, but he had them like ideas down. So he brought in that many and they used, well, we'll get into how many he used after. Yeah, everyone contributed. Everyone, lots of ideas. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's, it, it is funny to reflect on their songwriting now because a lot of cases you expect and, you know, we'll, you know, you expect at this stage in their tenure for them to be tired or out of ideas. But another way to look at it is there's so many people in the band now that know what Maiden is. They've defined it so well with things like the British Lines and all their solo albums not falling within it. They know what is and isn't Maiden. Yeah. That they all can go off and kind of, you know, once they build a theme, then they can kind of pull it together. Yeah. And you know they're in there and they're like, look, I love this rift. And they're like, well, I want to write the song. Maybe we can tie it in. And, and they've been at it yeah. for so long now. If they get a couple of good ideas, yeah, they can put that together into a song between all of them pretty yeah. quickly, I think. This song, I love this album. It's kind of got that like prog rock song structures from the last two albums we're talking about, but it also kind of reaches back to the classic Maiden. There's some kind of classic sound to some of these songs. It's a very unique album, I think. Mm. You're not going to listen to this and be like, this sounds just like, like name another album. Because it doesn't. It has its own kind of sound, I think. Um, so they recorded this September 2014 to December 2014 in Guillaume Tell Studios in Paris, France. Where they, that's the same place they recorded Brave New World. Brave New World, yeah, that's right. And they did this one with Kevin Shirley again. So they did Brave New World, Dance of Death, Matter of Life and Death, Final Frontier, and Book of Souls. All Kevin Shirley. Something with this album that people that are into guitar might find interesting is this is the Iron Maiden fan club magazine, the one that came out for book, when Book of Souls was coming out. And there's an interview in here. There's a whole bunch of interviews in here with Dave Murray and his guitar tech talking all about his gear that he uses. Um, everything that Dave Murray recorded on this album was recorded on a Les Paul, a Gibson Les Paul, which is weird for him because he's usually a Strat guy. So even the stuff that has like a, you hear a lot of whammy bar stuff. Yeah. He had a Floyd Rose uh, tremolo put onto a, uh, a Les Paul. So I don't know if that might be more common than I think, but I don't think I've ever heard of anyone doing that before. Yeah. So yeah, a whammy bar on a Les Paul. So he had two, he had a, Two Gibson Les Pauls and a Gibson Memphis ES hollow body. So that's what Dave Murray used. So he kind of switched it up. I don't know why. Uh, if he was going for something new. Yeah, so if you're a guitar <laughs> guitar yeah. nerd, you'd find that interesting. I found it kind of interesting. Well, I went I went through his solos, and I didn't find a massive... I, I, I thought there were some great ones we'll talk about when we get yeah. the tracks, but I didn't find like a massive sound difference. Then yeah. I'm not attuned a to that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he still kind of has his same Dave Murray sound. Yeah. So, I don't know. He's, he's using a new amp, too. I can't remember what they're called. But he didn't yeah. use his typical. Um, so, Kevin Shirley, remember when we did, I think we did Dance of Death and A Matter of Life and Death. Yeah. He likes that really spontaneous vibe in the studio. And he records them all, like, kind of live together. He's not one of those guys that, like, makes you find your guitar sound for two days and then makes you yeah. do a solo over and over. He likes a nice, quick take with, like, lots of spontaneous like energy he kind of wants to capture the live feel of the band in the studio yeah so i've got an interview with adrian he says we didn't actually rehearse anything at all which is a very different way of working for maiden we just brought our ideas to the studio and yannick says i've got to say the writing process was really different this time 
Normally we go into rehearsals and spend three or four weeks rehearsing, but this was different. We went in the studio with only outlines and finished writing the songs in the studio. So we're actually learning them, rehearsing them, and putting them down all at once. It's not like they worked all these songs until they got them perfect and went in and recorded them. They were kind of trying to write the songs while they were recording it. I got another quote from Adrian. He said, Kevin would record it while we were rehearsing. So that section would have a really great feel, even the first time we did it. So he says also that a couple of times they were just kind of rehearsing songs. And secretly, Kevin Shirley was recording the take in case something really good came out of it. So yeah, there's not like a lot of, uh, you know, pre-writing and getting everything perfect. They just were very spontaneously writing these songs as they were recording them in the studio. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. That's a huge risk, too. too yeah. Because like, it can go off the rails and you can exhaust people. And there's a few places like that in on this album that when we get to the songs, I'll, bring, I'll come back to this. Because there is a couple of places where I think that they could have probably worked the songs a bit better. Yeah. Um, the first four songs they learned in the studio, this is what Bruce Dickinson said, is Eternity Should Fail, Speed of Light, and Death or Glory. So yeah. those are all like the faster rockers were the first ones they worked on. So before they got into the epics. I get one last quote from Yannick. He said, uh, about Kevin Shirley, he says, he manages to get the live sound down absolutely. A real sound, not a compressed American guitar sound. I want a brash guitar sound. No distortion pedals, just straight into the amp. And he gets the sound that I like. So, mm. yeah. If you look online, some people don't like the Kevin Shirley uh, production. I really like his production. I like all these albums that he did, I think, sound great. Dance of yeah. Death is kind of mastered too loud. Yeah. But the, I don't know, the production itself, I think, is pretty good, especially on this album. And if you've listened to the vinyl of this, it sounds amazing. This is probably one of the best Maiden albums on vinyl. As far as like what it sounds like, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, you listen to this album on headphones. Yeah, on the vinyl on the headphones, it sounds so great. Yeah, the only the only thing I would say about listening to it on vinyl is, uh, you know, absolutely the sound is so full. Um, it's awesome. I find um, I don't know what it is, but the, like to me, it, it stands out. Uh, like even the vocals I find are clearer than on digital. And uh, but the the album gets broken down for me into like six pieces. So there's like double tracks, you know, because of the vinyl. Yeah. Like flipping over. Oh, so yeah, there's yeah. certain six areas sides. where I've yeah. where, six sides. Where I've where I've flipped it and there's like certain sides I love and certain sides I like less. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a different with, angle yeah. to it. And it's funny because it's it's supposedly two discs, but then they kinda it's across three. The thing that I like about this album, the production. Yeah. Like I'm not a huge like musical, you know, production guy that knows about in the stuff inside out. It's just, there's a lot going on on this album. There's, you got three guitarists playing. Yeah. Like, it'd be, I think it would be very, very easy to be recording drums, bass, three guitars, and the vocals, and also the keyboards all through yeah. this whole album. Mm-hmm. It'd be very easy for that to sound like a mess and just sound like so busy, like a wall of sound. Yeah. But when you listen to this, you can really pick out every instrument. It, it never sounds really muddy like that. Yeah. So it's like, every, there's a lot going on, but it all sounds really clear. Yeah. So to me, that's what makes it like a good, well-produced album. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the sound people—they're <laughs> in their living on this one. Yeah. Absolutely. I. You know. I don't know. I. Yeah. I. For me, I'm. I'm not a production guy at all. I just listen to it. I'm just. I yeah. just love this album. Well, there's some this, albums that sound amazing, yeah. and some albums I hear that just sound like super. Yeah. You can't pick out what's going on. Yeah. And I tend to always, when you're listening to a song, sometimes. Maybe you want to just pay attention to the bass line. And there's times on some albums where you just can't figure out what's 
going. You know what I mean? It's yeah. all kind of mud. Definitely, mud, but mud I, I would say there's also a little you'd be a little biased in this album just because there's so many big epics that they just uh, yeah. some of the songs are so drawn out and so focused in certain areas. Yeah, like you know, certain songs are like to be later compressed quite a bit and you know pretty punchy, and um, you know I I I would be less. So I think it's also the format for yeah. me. You know, it's such an epic, yeah, driven album. The keyboards too, yeah, yeah. give it a nice epic feel. I'm not sure who's playing these keyboards. If you look at the credits on the album, it says Steve Harris bass and keyboards. Yeah, but then further down it says keyboards by Michael Kenny. Yeah, so I'm thinking maybe Steve Harris kind of wrote the keyboard parts or told Michael Kenny what to play. Yeah, did so, we? Did we, we talked about this? We've talked about him multiple yeah. times. His like in the live. Uh, yeah, he's like the the yeah. hidden member. And then why do they do live? He stands yeah. off stage behind the scenes. Yeah, and just plays keyboard. Oh, that's so sad. Well, he does when they did uh, yeah. Seven Son of a Seven Son. Yeah, when I saw them do that, he actually comes out with a mask on and plays. So, yeah, we talked about it. that in the album. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so he does get to come on stage. I think maybe he's happy just to stay backstage and. Yeah. You know, do those little keyboard parts. But isn't it kind of funny if you're like in a band with six people and like you play keyboard on the album, but you're not in the band? The thing with this album, though, is like, because there's keyboards all over this album. Yeah. Uh, Like Red and the Black Book Souls, Man of Sorrows, Great Unknown. Like so many of the songs have keyboards if you listen for it. But they're really sparse sounding. Uh, It's not like busy and he's not like, it's not like on Dance of Death. Remember they had these big orchestrations of fake orchestra coming in. Yeah. A lot of times it's just like holding one key or one chord underneath just to kind of give it a texture yeah, or like add some feeling to it. So it's really sparse and like it's not overdone. So I think mm. it works really well on this album, the keyboards. And I think some of these songs, if you took the keyboards out, they wouldn't sound right. Or they'd sound good, but they wouldn't sound, they wouldn't have the same feeling. Yeah. So that, yeah, they recorded it in Paris. There was a delay before they could release it because uh, I don't know how much we should get into uh, Bruce's like cancer that he had. Mm. But basically, I'm sure everyone listening to this has heard that Bruce Dickinson had cancer while they were recording this album. Um, he recorded it, well, pre-cancer diagnosis. So he, I think he kind of, he said he was kind of Googling what he had and he kind of figured what he had towards the end of the recording. Um, they finished the production and Bruce got checked for this lump that he had in his neck and his throat. Uh, I have a quote here from him. He said, I had two, actually. One was three and a half centimeters, the size of a golf ball. The other was two and a half centimeters and getting bigger. They took a scan of it, had a look, had a poke around, and went, you have head and neck cancer. So I went, that's a bit of a blow, but you get on with it. You crack on and you get on with it. So that, so that was it. So he was just wow. kind of like, let's get this, get rid of this. They put the tour and the album release on hold. January 5th started treatment. He had nine weeks of chemotherapy and 33 sessions of radiation. Yeah. Uh, that was an interview with him I read. So wow. he's very, uh, his attitude's very like, yeah. you know, he just powered through, got it over with. And he's like, let's get this done. Get on with the album, the tour. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's interesting. So they, they, he got diagnosed at the end of the recording period. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So he recorded all this with those tumors. So they obviously, he sounds better than ever. So yeah. if you listen to this album... He came through cancer treatments and sounds better than ever. And if you listen to this album, like his voice sounds perfect. So obviously he sounds better than Dance of Death and Final Frontier on this album. He hits these like yeah. crazy high notes and his voice sounds really strong. Yeah. So obviously the tumors didn't really affect his singing at all. No, and not only that, the fact that it came late in the, well, you know, after they recorded the album means that, you know, they didn't, 
uh, you know, temper the vocals or anything, planning ahead or being nervous, you know. Yeah. He sounds amazing. There's no question. It, it would be interesting, though, to, to, to be that doctor who's doing that operation because you know what's at stake. And it, oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of us have been amazed that he came back so quickly. And, yeah, he came uh, back really, really quickly. Yeah. Like and, in half the time that they were saying. And it was out when the album was being reviewed. And if you read some of the reviews, I remember them at the time. I remember an article saying, like, you know, everybody at this stage in their career, their 16th album, they're releasing a double album. Everybody else is releasing these short, you know, web playable or digital download versions. And they got long epics. He just finished throat cancer and he's like singing these giant ballads oh yeah it's like it just seemed so at a step but it worked that's bruce dickinson though right yeah. he's just like that's it, it. he's just going for it <laughs> he's yeah. a force of nature <laughs> i mean if me and you went in f- with that stuff they'd probably just be like hack and slash and we'd barely be able to talk but with bruce they're probably so. pretty strategic i don't think yeah. uh any doctor would be <laughs> no no i think doctors hack and slash no. at your throat <laughs> They don't. They don't. But they, there's a there's a truth to um, you know the the level of detail you will go in a surgery. Like if you're if you're getting a knee surgery and you're a 60 year old guy, uh, they do a simple replacement. But if you're like a professional athlete, I mean, obviously, it's a yeah, maybe. Surgery, okay. Anyway, so amazing work by the doctor. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds better than never. Oh man. Does so have... anyway, the album eventually did come out mm. after a delay. That's right. Uh, so June eighteenth, two thousand fifteen, IronMaiden.com. They put the three months before the release. They put an announcement about the album, um, and they put this YouTube teaser video on July thirtieth, two thousand fifteen, which is like a thirty second guitar solo from Speed of Light, and had this like animated, the new Eddie animated. Mm-hmm. It's thirty seconds, and there's a link underneath to pre-order the album. So that was kind of what they did to hype the album. They're not one of those bands that releases like a little bit and another one. And you know what I mean? They, they basically just put out a teaser on the internet and then one single. And the single was The Speed of Light. So that came out August 14th, 2015, a few weeks before the album. Uh, the digital download and a CD single. And the cover of it is just the Book of Souls in black and white. The Book of Souls album cover in black and white. And it says Speed of Light. So it's, I wish they could have came up with something different. Especially yeah. with the video has that weird digital eddy that's like half... Uh, yeah. what he's supposed to be they could have done a cool album cover with that but anyway oh they could have I remember when it dropped because yeah. I got an email from iTunes saying that Nesbitt bought you this album oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you've actually bought me this album a few ways I bought you this actual you bought this me vinyl the, yeah, yeah you bought me the vinyl too <laughs> I went down to Fred's Records which is an awesome local record store yeah and the if day you, it was released I picked up two if you so, remember I mean what I forgot about that how long goes this three and a half years 2015 yeah so three plus years um, I wasn't a Final Frontier fan, remember? I was just like, yeah. You didn't even really it. know the Final Frontier until we started doing it for this podcast. That's true. Yeah. But, well, I'd listened to it a few times, but I, I remember just like, you know, Satellite 15, the, the, the whole yeah. kick in, right? The Final Frontier. Like, the whole sound of it, I never liked it right at the gate. I was like, ah. And I loved Matter of Life and Death so much. Yeah. And I was just like, whatever. And then... When this came out, I was like, oh, okay, I'll get to it. And you were like, no, 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 you're going to hear this right. And you, you bought me the album. And uh, yeah, it brought me back. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. I was mentioning the, that they put a video out for The Speed of Light. Yeah. So uh, August 14th, the same day that they released the single Speed of Light, they put a video out on YouTube. It's kind of a throwback to Old Maiden because it starts out with, it kind of looks like the dashboard from the Wasted Year single cover, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool. And then... 
it's Eddie getting sucked into a computer and he goes through all these different video games. So he there's like a Donkey Kong style one where like yeah, and then there's like this uh, side scrolling one where you're like you have a yeah, gun and you're shooting, shooting cyb- the cyborg. He's just getting shot a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the hovercraft spaceship from uh, the Somewhere in Time tour poster. That's right. Isn't it? And then there's like a Mortal Kombat style fighting game where Eddie's fighting the Beast from yeah. Number of the Beast, and he like rips the Beast head head off. Um, and then the, at the end there's like a first person style like shooter where you're like chopping at like Mayan skeletons, and there's a like, I think you find an assault rifle and you should kill a dinosaur or something. Yeah. And at the end, Eddie rips his own heart out own heart at the top out, yeah. of a temple. So, but, yeah. but it's all like done in the graphics of like old video games. Yeah, but they and keep callbacks. Changing. Yeah, it keeps changing, and yeah. it, it's like callbacks to like old albums, which is kind of cool. They're yeah. kind of like going through the history of Eddie. But were any of those legit games or anything ever released? Think, yeah. No. So one of them, the Speed of Light one, you can actually play that one. Yeah. Um, it's speedalight.ironmaiden.com. You can actually, it's like a Donkey Kong game, so you can like rescue charlotte the harlot and i don't know i played it once back in the day it's still there i checked while i was like researching this album cool so if you want to go to speed you can play the iron maiden video game yeah i i I love that i love that video it bought uh you know i love the evolution of the games it's also the nostalgia factor i love that side of it the downside is i just know that they were like oh let's do something like this and some web designer guy did it all and like the band had little to no input on. Yeah, that. actually, there's a behind the scenes making a video online, and yeah. they're talking to the guy, and he, yeah, the band didn't really have a lot of input. Yeah, they were kind of like they wanted to do like a retrospective of all the Eddies. That's right. And they're trying to think of a way to do it, and they're like, "Oh, let's go do video games, kind of go through the history of video games, and bring different Eddies in." Yeah. So. Yeah. But the speed of light digital Eddie, he's like kind of a. He's like digitized. He's like green and white. Yeah, and he's like flying through this tunnel. That's right. Um, That's my one of my. That's my kid's favorite Eddie. One of their favorite Eddies. So, (laughs) but I thought they could have used him on the album cover for this single. So. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So uh, the other thing before this album came out is Nico at his Rock and Roll Ribs restaurant in Florida had a album premiere party the day before the album came out. Basically, they had one single to hype the release, and that was it. And then the album came out. Uh, I got a quote from Yannick. He says, I like the idea of getting an album when it's released. Is that passe now? I don't know. But isn't it good to wait for something and get it all at once? The whole internet thing has kind of spoiled it a little because it's nice to wait for something and get it all at once as opposed to bips and bops at a time. So I kind of agree with him. I like to get a whole album. I don't want to hear like six of the tracks gradually over the months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Leading up. So. No, I agree with you there. I guess it's just necessary for artists to... To create pause. So I got two quotes here about this album. Yeah. Nico McBrain says, uh, this is the best album we've ever made. It was a fantastic piece of work. He says that about every album. <laughs> yeah, he does. And a quote, someone I read another interview with Derek Riggs where someone asked him about the Book of Souls. And Derek Riggs had this to say about the Book of Souls. Oh, God. The whole thing has nothing to do with me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he's just so sick of it. Yeah. He's like, why are you asking me about it? Why do you ask me about stuff anymore? <laughs> I thought that was a funny... Uh... That's great. So, we'll get into the tracks? Yeah, should we? Yeah, let's break it down. All right, so track number one, If Eternity Should Fail. So this is a solo Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't dig back and, and look at where we ranked this one in the openers. I can't remember but those It must have been decently high. It wasn't like... It's yeah, funny because we do these. We did the best openers, best closers. Yeah, we should write these down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I do have it written down somewhere. Yeah. But... uh. 
those are kind of, that was like almost a year ago. Oh my god! And it's kind of like basically a snapshot of how I felt at the time. <laughs> I know. Because if I did my top openers and closers now and went back and compared, I have no idea if it would be the same oh or it'd god. be totally different. It'd be so different. Yeah. Well, I remember a year ago I ranked my 155 all all the Iron Maiden tracks. Yeah. In order, and I went back and looked at it, and there's some of them that I I move around a lot now. Oh my! It's god. still pretty close, but. Yeah, <laughs> it's it like you know, it's so mood based for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's certain absolutes. Some albums you always love. Some albums you always just uh, they're just not there. And when we covered some of the albums on podcast episodes, there's certain songs that I'd ignored. Yeah, that just like totally I fell in love with. That I just never never really did it for me before. Anyway, back to uh, if eternity should fail. So the yeah. first track. So this was one of the songs Bruce brought in. So he already had this done as a complete finished demo with Roy Z. So this was, he had five demos done, he said, for a new solo album. And the name of the album was going to be If Eternity Should Fail. And this was the title track. So Bruce, I have a quote from Bruce, and he said, Some songs were written beforehand. If Eternity Should Fail was easy because it had already been written and recorded in demo format for my solo album. So Steve said, it's great. Can we use it for Maiden? I've not planned to release a solo album in the immediate future. It was easy to reproduce because we just had to copy it. So it's completely done. And yeah. Bruce just brought it in and they redid it. I think that's probably why earlier I was mentioning they said this was one of the first songs they had done because it was pretty much written completely. Bruce said he had five songs done for a solo album. Um, if you look at Tyranny of Souls, it only has ten songs on it. So basically he has half of a solo album written. So Steve Harris basically did what he did with Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, which was like, give us your solo song, we're going to redo it. That's right. Or it's, yeah. or it's actually like, you know, Bruce just brings it in and goes, pretty good, huh? And he's like, oh, I was going to use it on my solo album. It's just this is kind of way to get them to listen to it. Go, yeah, well, actually, we'll use it. Oh, well, if you guys want to. Yeah. You, know, like, you can just see that. Oh, well, yeah. all right, maybe I won't use it on my solo album. You know? It's possible. So at first, I assumed Roy Z had a hand writing this. And, you know, I could never see an outside writer having a credit on a Maiden song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, this is just me, I was just thinking that maybe Roy Z, they maybe paid him for a songwriting credit. Yep. But then I read a German interview on a German website, which I Google translated. And Bruce said that Steve wanted two songs, this one and another song called Nightmares. So this is the German translated interview. So I don't know if this counts as a quote because Google translated from german to english but it said the other song was from the sessions of my solo album accident of birth released in 1997 named nightmares and was never recorded for the album the track was written by me and roy z so we could not use it for the book of souls uh. so I, apparently attorney should fail is 100 percent bruce dickinson written oh god it's almost so. like they're preparing for lawsuits now <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah they had the song attorney should fail completed demoed full instruments and it's basically a cover, a Maiden cover of the demo. Although it doesn't really count as a cover if you're covering your own song. So I got another quote, too, from a Dutch magazine, if people aren't sick of hearing me read quotes. It says, uh, In the summer of 2014, at the end of the last tour, I let Steve Harris hear a demo of a song meant for my next solo album. That was If Eternity Should Fail. It was even the intended title number of the intended album. The lyrics are about a machine which steals the souls of humans. Steve was enthusiastic immediately. That's a perfect opener for the next Maiden record. And so it happened. At the end, it is my song. By the way, I'm still planning to use my version on my next solo album. This way, audience can compare both versions. So he does still have plans to have the solo album come out. The song is going to be on it as the title track. So that's kind of cool. 
And I think that explains all this, like, I am Morpheus stuff at the end. Yeah, because that would be my take on it is, is you know, I, I love this song. Yeah. I think it's an awesome start to it. There's some oh, really it's a great cool song. bits in there. Yeah. Uh, but it gets a little campy when, uh, was it, ne- when Necropolis shows up. <laughs> yeah, he's the harvester of the soul meat. And, uh, That's the lyrics. It's funny. Eternity is a short while. I mean. So there's a really long intro um, with, like, lots of keyboards. There's some kind of, like, keyboards that sound like horns or something. And there's, like, this rattlesnake sound effect. But it's a really long intro. And it, you know, I assume it's Michael Kenny on the keyboards. It just sets up the song really well. So that's a cool intro. It's really good at building like tension. Yeah. The, and then when the here is a soul of a man here in the place for the taking comes in, you're like, Bruce sounds better than ever. Oh, it's His amazing. voice is amazing. Much better than Satellite 15 on the Final Frontier. Yeah, I mean, comparatively, although there's some excellent vocal, um, you know, some some great vocals on, on Final Frontier. No question. No, but I'm talking about the Satellite 15 well, the intro. Satellite 15 intro. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just noise. Yeah, and not only unskippable that, noise. <laughs> yeah, and it also I find it sets it sets up the album for kind of the wrong feel. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Yeah, it's just kind of like this noise intro, which yeah. if it was a quarter of the length, or yeah. you could skip it as a, if it was a separate track, you could skip. Yeah, although you I would know, have no problem with it. Of the Final audience. Frontier, like there's a lot of good epic vocals in that though. Yeah, that song. Yeah, but the intro I could do without oh. the intro. Yeah. Satellite uh, 15 is too long. I don't know. I'm thinking about it right now. I kind of want to hear it. <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. But this is a way better intro. Yeah. And is... Bruce's vocals in the intro are amazing. And then when it kicks in, the album like is just off to an awesome start. Yeah. And it's a really great album opener. It's really great. And live, this was awesome too. It was deadly. Yeah. It's such a great way to get your attention and create like suspense. Yeah. You know, the maiden. you're waiting for the Maiden concert to start. Yeah. The lights go down and Bruce comes out. He's in that smoking urn and he's singing. Yeah. He, like the Mayan temple stage set. And then it kicks in and everyone just runs on stage. Yeah. So it's just Bruce out there. He reaches, he's got the smoke coming out of that cauldron or whatever. Yeah. And he's just singing along to like, there's that echo on his voice. And yeah. And boom, when it kicks in, Steve, Dave, Adrian, Yannick running on with their instruments. Yeah. And the Maiden concert goes from like, this like tense kind of mood building thing to like full on yeah. maiden rock out <laughs> blow like, your one mind. second yeah it's yeah. awesome yeah there's a cool clip on YouTube on the official Iron Maiden channel um it shows the backstage so Bruce is out singing and singing this intro to this song and uh, Adrian and Dave are backstage and they're just kind of like joking to each other it's really cool because it looks like they're having tons of fun and they're just like laughing and cracking jokes or whatever. And then when it kicks in, they all run through the curtain and go on stage. And it's pretty cool to see in, like what a good time they're having before the concert. Compared to like some... Yeah, I've seen some documentaries about bands where they all like hate each other and stuff. Yeah, those are like right. two buddies about to like have an awesome time. So they look like they're totally enjoying themselves. It's cool. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's cool, too, when it kicks in. This Okay, this album has tons of guitar harmonies. So they have the three guitarists. And this album, I think more than any other album post-reunion... 
They really make use of the three guitars and the harmonies. So it's cool you can hear the two guitars like one guitar yeah. is kind of doing a chung 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 oh, rhythm yeah. guitar underneath and then you have two guitars doing a harmony yeah it sounds awesome on the album and then, then live they can do the exact same thing because they yeah. don't have to try to pick and choose what they play they can it sounds really full live too yeah yeah that's that that's so awesome <laughs> I, I love it man that's deadly yeah the riff there is it's so oh this song is such a good opener just gets you so pumped yeah i love this part too this is you're hearing Bruce singing these awesome lyrics. When he hits that part from a world of magma to a cold rock face, the ascent of madness and a human race, yeah, he really belts it out. And his voice sounds great. From a world of magma to a cold rock face, the ascent of madness and a human So yeah, Bruce just sounds awesome. They're powerful. Yeah, I love it. The the you know the ascent of uh, you know it talks about magma and the cold rock face and all that and when attorneys shall fail. I felt like you know he talks about the you know it's a solo album and all that stuff. But to me, it felt like it was setting the stage for uh, you know for this like Mayan or you know empire. Yeah, I thought it was very theme driven. See, it seems like the fact that that came in as a song. I don't know, maybe that. We'll get to the theme. So this was later, part right? of the solo album. Yeah. Um, I've got a quote from Bruce here, actually. He says, The spoken word that's at the end of the track is actually the beginning of the story. It introduces this character. Hello, I'm Dr. Necropolis. I'm formed of the dead. My own two sons. I gave them birth. I filled them with their, I filled their living corpses with my bile. Um, and I did say to Steve, look, what do you want to do about the spoken word thing? Because it fits the rest of my solo thing. I'm not sure it makes any sense. It doesn't go anywhere for a Maiden album. And Steve Harris said, it mentions a lot of stuff about souls in there, doesn't it? It's all good then. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Steve Harris was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, it's souls. Yeah. So I don't think that it's really setting up any kind of a concept album or anything. No. And it doesn't technically have anything to do with Mayans, but I guess the souls and the Book of Souls, it all kind of like ties in. You can tie it in. Yeah, then the themes are loose. Yeah. They're not trying to get caught up. Well, we have to use this word and that word, and it has to mean this and that. I guess yeah. that would be too forced anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and there's technically not a guitar solo on this. No, but there there is there, but there is, is some cool guitar work. Yeah, yeah, there is some. Yeah, and I mean the the guitar works where the song is great. But there's a, a point to highlight um, where there is like a solo, except yeah. there's Bruce's vocals are going over it. I mean that's if yeah, you, but that's if, more. I'd say that's yeah. more like guitar licks under the chorus. I think there's enough going on there that if he wasn't singing, it'd be a solo. Yeah. Well, what do you think about this part? This is I call this not a true solo. Yeah. It's just a bunch of cool guitar instrumental stuff with really cool harmonies. It's pretty awesome, but no solo.
technically call that a guitar solo. Um, if you watch it live, all three guitarists are playing three guitar harmony during that part. It's cool. And I love when they come out of it, there's like this pick slide, which yeah. I'm assuming is Adrian, because Adrian just seems like he'd be the most badass to do that. Yeah. But I watched the live chapter video of the song. That's right. I couldn't see who does that, so I'm not sure who, who it is, but it sounds really cool. Either way. I don't know if you'd call that a guitar solo, but it's definitely awesome guitar work. Yeah. If we classify it as a solo or not. For both of those. Yeah. I really don't care. They're both awesome. They're both awesome. <laughs> and then, yeah, you get into the Necropolis stuff. Um, the Necropolis stuff, um, the, you know the song Book of Thel from Chemical Wedding? Yes, actually. Yeah. It has this at the end, which is yeah. almost the same thing. What demon has formed this abominable void? This soul-shuddering vacuum? Some said it is urizen, but unknown, abstracted, brooding secret, the dark power hid. So that's very similar to the end of the song, which sounds like this. Good day. My name is Necropolis. I'm formed of the dead. I am the harvester of the soul. And I suck the lives from around my bed. My only two sons, I gave them breath. And I filled their living corpses with my bile. What humanity I knew, I long. So yeah, that's from the solo album. It's very uh, Bruce Dickinson solo album sounding. You yeah. can tif- totally see how that's like. You can see the link Bruce between the two yeah. that and Necropolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it I is, know. and it and it's cool, but it is maidenly. Yeah. So if anyone was wondering, yeah, the lyrics are very. Uh, <laughs> they're kind of super cheesy. Uh, good day, my name is Necropolis. I am formed of the dead. I am the harvester of the soul meat. And I suck the lives from around my bed. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, for him, eternity is nothing but a short while. So. I know. Yeah, I love that he's talking about the soul, harvester of the soul meat. Yeah. Yeah. And yet he starts with, like, good day. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> good manners for a soul meat harvester. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I like it. It's campy. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be honest, those parts where, you know, I love that song so much that I hits and I'm like, oh God, you know, but. It's funny too, because people are reading online and people complain about that part and they're like, if we could get a version without that, it would be better. Or they should have left that part off. Hmm. It's weird though. Like I've heard this song so many times now that it's such a part of the song now that I almost like don't notice it as being cheesy. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes you'll hear something that's weird in a song but you hear it so many times that it just seems like a normal part of the song now so that doesn't seem so weird to me now until i start thinking of it about it in the context of a maiden album like yeah that doesn't really make much sense but yeah but if you if you just think back to like you know the chorus of the song you know yeah. just hammering away and then think about how speed of light starts yeah they'd almost run together yeah if you just like you and need it, something yeah. to calm down and it's not unusual for maiden to play like a clip of someone talking between yeah. before or after songs like they do it lots of times so this isn't yeah. really that unusual 
Oh, it's not at the step. Yeah. I think it's just a bit campy, yeah. but yeah. I like it. Yeah, oh, me too. You know, and to be yeah. honest with you, I when I first heard it, it was like I'm the harvester. You know, souls and that. It's like it fits Book of Souls. Like, yeah, to me, it's yeah. on, on theme. I never first time heard that. Go, oh, that's not a, you know. Yeah, but this is the typical Iron Maiden thing that we brought up with. How many albums did we say this about? There's like so many Maiden albums where you're like, is it a Theme concept album. album it's like yeah. it's two songs about a theme and one or two other ones that maybe you could loosely tie in if it's a bit of a stretch and then they kind of make some cover art to match yeah we said that about power slave like power slave is not themed about egypt it's like an egyptian song called power slave and a matching album cover this one is way deeper than that though yeah but it's still not a concept album <sighs> i don't know what is a concept album i mean look i can tell you Everything from, you know, the cover art through to their custom fonts through to everything. There's the theme here. Yeah, but that's just yeah. the the visual theme of the album. Yeah, but that, that... the Book of Souls, the song ties in. Yeah. The song can tie in. Name one other song that ties into the Mayan thing or the Mayan. Who is it? Mayan or Mayan? Mayan. So yeah. sorry. So you, I would argue that this song ties in. Yeah. I would argue that uh, the Great Unknown. You think? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, the red and the black, even as we'll get into that. Red in the and the black episode. has nothing to do with mind. At the the core theme of ambition definitely does. Um, the book of souls itself. Well, that definitely does. Yeah. Now I find the second album. You see, I would argue the first album is theme based. Look, I want to save this one for next. One, okay, it's going to take a while. Okay. I want to get into. But I disagree one. because I yeah. don't think those. Like I think you can make a theme album out of any album. You can be like Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction is a theme album. It's about life on the street and trying to hustle on the street and whatever. If you go broad enough with your theme, everything's yeah. a theme album. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be like, Nirvana Nevermind's a theme album about angst. <laughs> angst. <laughs> you also, know what I mean? This is a theme album about music. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I so agree So if that. you stretch anything far enough, you can fit stuff in. Yeah, but I mean, all you want... <laughs> All you want is a consistent, in some ways, you know, feel and fit and somewhat yeah. uh, an idea. But I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it depends what you listen to music for. I mean, I don't listen to music going, looking for life advice from lyrics or from the lyrics to change my mood. So I really just listen to the sound of it and do I like it right now? And is, it, you yeah. know, is it resonating? Yeah. I don't think anyone, neither of us are arguing yeah. if it's not an awesome album. No. I just oh, don't God, think it's a no. theme album or I don't think it's a concept album. This album is is objectively awesome. I mean if you yeah. like if you like any maiden era almost like I don't even know any like even if you're into the old Iron Maiden album, like if you're like into the first cut and you just like that rough sound, yeah. there's aspects in here. Oh my god, yeah. Specifically when we get into yeah. you know some of the later tracks. There's some really rough kind of you know, I find it it harkens back a bit. Yeah. Now it's, it's like if you stopped listening to Maiden yeah. at Power Slave, yes, there are at least two songs on this album that you're going to instantly love. I think. I think so too. So yeah. anyway, I'll get into those when we get to the albums. I can't yeah. believe we already did an hour. I know. Oh god. Yeah. I thought we were going to get through like the first three or four songs. But... Yeah, it's so different. When we do an album, like it just flies. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But I guess we'll wrap it up. Yeah, well, wait now. First, this beer. Yeah. Got to go back on the beer. Greystone right? Brewing from Fredericton, New Brunswick. Yeah. Patagonia, Patagonia Pale, Pale Ale. Ale. Oh, really like good. It. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Fantastic. So, next week, we're going to carry on with Book of Souls. Keep yeah. going. We'll keep going as many yeah. episodes as it takes. Absolutely. Now, we It seems got... strange that we yeah. took four episodes to get through the X Factor. Yes. And this is a, a double album. You'd think it would take longer. Well, we'll see. We're not going to force it. We're going to flow it. Yeah. 
you know. Although X Factor, we did a lot about like the changeover from Bruce to Blaze and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, but, but well, we only did uh, Attorney Attorney Should Fail today, and um, we've got all the other tracks to do. So if you're listening to this and you haven't caught up, go ahead and listen to Book of Souls. Like just listen to a ton of it and, yep. and we'll go through the tracks with us um, because it's going to be. Oh, it's awesome. There's so much to come. I just, yeah. yeah. Two, two more episodes might be a bit pushing it, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll just flow and see what happens. So, okay. So that's it. We're Talking Maiden. Get us at TalkingMaiden.com. Send us an email if you have any questions uh, or if you have any feedback or anything else. If you have any episode ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Rate us on iTunes. Just yeah. click. Well, the reason stars. we're doing the Book of Souls so soon after, yeah. we said we were going to do it in the future. Yeah. If we got a couple of emails and people were like, do Book of Souls, do Book of Souls. Yeah, and I think someone that. tweeted at us to do Book of Souls too. So we're like, yeah. okay, let's do it. Yeah, that's right. So we put a couple of other albums on yeah. hold. Production doing... plan be damned. <laughs> yeah. We just got to, Josh, we got to tweet as of this four in the morning. No, we got to do this. Yeah, I'm like, we got three emails. People want to hear it. Book of Souls. Yeah, they, they want it. They want it. <laughs> um, yeah, talkingmaiden.com. Till next time, up the irons and down the hops. Yeah.